Have you ever heard something like this from the pulpit? God loved us so much that He gave us free will. We have the freedom to choose where we will spend eternity. He loves us so much that He won't force His love onto us. He gives us the choice between eternal bliss or eternal damnation. For the Christian, free will is everything. It's the crux of their whole religion. The very plan of salvation, of the creation story itself, is based upon God's gift of free will. But is free will really free? Hey everyone and welcome to Unbelievable, a podcast about leaving religion, healing from religious trauma, letting go of guilt, and learning how to live again. My name is Carol Chia. I spent over 40 years in the Southern Baptist Church, and only after I left did I begin to realize how deep my indoctrination actually went. Each episode will discuss topics ranging from bad theology, the patriarchy, and everything churchy. So let's recover together. Free will, as it relates to Christianity, is problematic, to say the least. It's the one thing that really pushes my buttons. It's a cop-out concept used to justify all kinds of poor behavior, and it's the way Christians give God a pass for all the horrible things that happen to people. But where did this concept come from? Have Christians always bought into the belief that the Creator of the universe turned over complete control to each individual so they could make their own choices? The very concept leads to so many questions. If God loves free will so much, why did He take free will away from Pharaoh when He hardened His heart against freeing the Israelite slaves? Why didn't He just let Pharaoh choose what would happen? If free will is so important, why do people pray for friends or family members to return to the faith? Isn't it their free will to live their lives? Before we get too deep into the theological issues with free will, we need to define what free will is. Pretty easy, right? Well, according to philosophers for the past, oh, two millennia, it's pretty dang hard. The dictionary definition of free will is the notional capacity or ability to choose between different possible courses of action unimpeded. Free will is closely linked to the concepts of moral responsibility, praise, culpability, sin, and other judgments which apply only to the actions that are freely chosen. But free will as a philosophy goes deep, really deep. Rene Descartes said that the will is by its nature so free that it can never be constrained. This position is met with criticism, though. Physical constraints, psychological or genetic conditions limit the free will of those affected. Then there's the whole nature versus nurture debate. How much do our genetics or our environment affect our decision-making? My experiences growing up in a conservative Appalachian town steeped in Southern Baptist doctrine affected my decisions in every way possible. How I dressed, the music I listened to, the food I ate, all of these free will decisions I made were directly influenced by my circumstances at the moment. Change those circumstances and my decisions would have been different. I also have celiac disease which means my body can't process wheat, barley, or rye. I can't eat a real pizza, a donut, or drink a beer. 
My autoimmune condition dictates what I can eat, even though my free will would probably choose differently. I'm short. I have thick thighs and a little waist. My body shape makes some clothing styles impossible. You don't want to see me in a mermaid-style dress. Trust me. Sure, I still have the free will to choose to wear what I want, but the way I'm built makes it hard to find sizes that fit. If, I, if pants fit my hips, they're six inches too big at the waist. It's a problem. But I didn't bring up free will to talk about my clothing woes. For me, free will is the single topic in Christianity that brings the whole religion toppling like a house of cards. And for that, we have to go back to the beginning, the in the beginning, back to the creation myth itself. In Genesis, God creates the heavens and the earth, makes the shape of a man out of dirt, blows in his face, names him Adam, and places him in the Garden of Eden. Now, many scholars agree that there are two distinct creation stories within the first two chapters of Genesis, but right now we're just interested in the actors in the play. As we get further into the creation story, we see God giving Adam and Eve directions on how to live in this perfect garden He created. He tells them that they are the best of creation, and they're going to be in charge of the garden. He says they can eat from every tree in the garden, except for the one in the center. That one is off limits. He doesn't explain why, just that if they eat the fruit from that tree, they'll drop dead. And we all know the story. The serpent comes, tells Eve that God is telling the world's first fib, convinces her to eat the fruit. She gives it to Adam, and boom! They don't drop dead. Score one for the serpent. They do realize that they're naked. I'm not sure why that's a big deal. I mean, they're the only ones there, and they weren't created wearing clothes, so I'm not sure why the first thing that grabs their attention is the fact that they're naked. But moving on, they tie some leaves together to create some coverings for themselves. I'm sure Eve's must have covered more because, goodness knows, she didn't want to make Adam stumble. And when they hear God walking around, they hide. Why did they hide? It reminds me of my seven-year-old when he breaks something of his sister's. His favorite hiding spot is in his bed under his covers. It sounds like God created the first man and woman with the mentality of elementary school kids and then put them in charge of the rest of creation and told them to populate the earth. Anywho, God finds them, asks them why they've attempted to cover themselves, and they tell them it's because they're naked. It's that naked thing again. He asks how they know they're naked. Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the snake. And man is cursed for all time. Sounds logical. From pulpits across the land, you'll hear preachers praise God's part in all of this mess. They'll place the blame of a sinful world squarely on the shoulders of Eve. And they will use this horrible story as proof of God's love for us. But there's one glaring issue with all of this. Where did the sin come from? I mean, God is supposed to be the biggest, baddest, most in-control creator, right? He is so holy that He can't even be in the presence of sin, right? Then who created the sin? 
Every time I bring this up with an evangelical, I'm told that I can't question the mind of God, that I'm a lowly human who can't possibly understand why God designed things the way He did. So let's break this down bullet point style. Point number one, God created sin. There's no way around this one, folks. If the God of the Bible created everything, then He created the very temptation that damned us all. This only leaves us with two options. Either God is an all-powerful and couldn't see the future, or He's sadistic. He knew exactly what would happen, and He did it anyway. Which would mean that the creator of the universe absolutely can be in the presence of sin because it's part of Him. He set into motion all the pain and suffering that exists in the world because He wanted to. Which leads to point number two. God is given a pass for the sin He created, and His screw-up is blamed on us. And how is it blamed on us? Free will. So, now let's break this beat-to-death concept down. We scratched the surface earlier about philosophical arguments with free will, but let's dig a little deeper. There are more examples of why free will is a scam than I could ever cover in one little podcast, but here goes. The Christian concept of free will is garbage. As we've already seen in the creation myth, God manipulated the environment, set Adam and Eve up to fail, and then punished them for using this free will that He gave them. He then divided Himself into three individual pieces, sent the middle piece to take on all the sin of the world, and then said if we accept His gift, we can live forever with Him in heaven. If we don't, then we get to live forever in hell a place he created for the devil. You know, the devil, the dude with power to lead us simple humans astray. Yeah, according to evangelicals, God created him, even though he knew that he was going to turn all evil and torment humanity. And then he created a place that burns all the time where we get to go unless we accept the free gift of salvation. My dad would tell stories of how his parents would put conditions on all their gifts to him. And if he didn't live up to those conditions, they would take the gifts away. My grandpa was a Southern Baptist preacher, so it kind of makes sense. And it sounds exactly like the evangelical God. He offers a gift, but unless you do exactly as he says, you don't get it. That, by definition, is not a gift. That is also not a good example of free will. According to evangelical doctrine, I have the choice to choose God or not. But if I don't, I get a one-way ticket to the bad place to spend all of eternity. Pretty harsh punishment for a short lifespan, don't you think? It also completely dismantles the Christian definition of free will. It places constraints on the decision, forcing humanity to choose between an eternity in heaven with a sadistic creator or in hell where barbecue is the only thing on the menu. There is also no way to reconcile the fact that absolute free will is impossible. If I exercise my free will, it inevitably affects someone else's. There's no way around it. If I decide to run a stop sign and I plow into somebody's car, their free will of not getting plowed at a stop sign is shot. My free will of staying safe while walking alone in a parking garage is overshadowed by an attacker's free will to cause me harm. Nobody uses their free will to die of cancer. 
or to lose their money in the stock market. Absolute free will is impossible. Life is full of chance, of consequences to decisions. Sometimes those decisions are yours, like eating that gas station hot dog. Other decisions you have nothing to do with, like being raised in a high-control religion. Decisions you make have a ripple effect on people you'll never even meet. Free will is a concept that men came up with to try to explain the things they saw going on in the world. They wanted to create a perfect creator, but they had to do that with imperfect minds. So do I think free will is real? Yes, but with conditions. Today I stopped at a gas station to fill up my tank. Shoved inside the handle of the hose were two Bible tracts. Now, if you don't know what Bible tracts are, you're either missing out on some fun or you avoided some religious trauma. Lucky. The most popular type of Bible tract are chick tracts. I know that name sounds really funny, but they were created by a religious cartoonist named Jack Chick in the 1960s. They're short booklets made to look kind of like comic books, and they share the evangelical gospel. They're also extremely anti-Catholic, anti-Islam, anti-Jewish, anti-Mormon, pretty much any other religion or Christian denomination that isn't evangelical. Almost every church I attended throughout my time in the Southern Baptist denomination had a display shelf that housed these booklets. We were encouraged to take some each week and leave them in places where people would find them and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Last year, my kids got them in their Halloween trick-or-treat buckets. They just tossed them aside to get to the peanut butter cups and the bubblegum eyeballs. Oh, yeah. Chick Publications has been designated by the Southern Poverty Law Center as an act of hate group, so there's that. The person who left these little nuggets of bigotry and religious propaganda used his free will to do so. But what influenced his free will? More than likely, this person has been raised in an evangelical church and feels it is his duty to spread the good news of Christ. So yeah, he exercised his free will by jamming Bible tracts in the gas pump that I would find. But he's been indoctrinated into this belief system, meaning his free will has been affected by those beliefs. Everything we do, from the clothes we wear, the cars we drive, or the food we eat, has been influenced by forces outside of ourselves. Maybe you're a Packers fan because your dad was a Packers fan. Maybe you order apple pie for dessert because your grandma's kitchen always smelled like apple pie. Maybe you choose to do things because you're genetically designed to do so. I don't know. Maybe I put too much thought into the whole concept. I think that I tend to overthink things because for four decades of my life, I was told how to think and what to believe. So I'm going to exercise my free will and learn all I can. Thanks everyone for joining me on this episode of Unbelievable. I had a pretty fun time researching this. I really didn't have to do much research because everything I read in comment section on social media that I hear from people all the time is, but God gave you free will to choose him or not. Mm -hmm. Okay. So anyway, 
If you've got any ideas of what you'd like to hear on here, or if you'd just like to make contact, that's cool. I'm going to put my contact info in the show notes. And if you'd just like to connect with me on social media, I'll put that in there too. So until next time, I'm going to go exercise my free will and read a book. Thanks so much, guys. Bye.